0: Welcome, everyone, to Couch Potato Diary. Happy Tuesday. My name is Peter Klein, thank you guys very much for tuning in today, Uh, this is going to be a two-parter. Part 1 here, we're going to look at the uh, more traditional stick and ball sports, as we take a look at all the news surrounding the Calgary Flames, Uh, plus the Calgary Stampeders make a big move today, and it's been a wild 24 hours in the National Basketball Association, so we will get into all of that. Part 2 is going to be about the world of professional wrestling. Monster news from wrestling today, as WWE Raw is off to Netflix. Uh, What that means and a whole lot more around that. Plus, as we get ready for the Royal Rumble this weekend, a look at the go-home show for Monday Night Raw. So that is part two, part one here, focusing on the NHL, Canadian Football League, and the National Basketball Association, with a bit of today's ticket sprinkled in at the end. As always, you can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I am at PrimetimeKline, twitch.tv PrimetimePK, and you can email this show, diary at yahoo.com um if you are watching this on youtube thank you make sure you like this video subscribe to the channel if you are listening in podcast form still subscribe uh, but also leave a review all that stuff greatly helps all right uh so that is all of that let's get into the show first with these guys calgary flames So, uh, a lot going on on this Calgary Flames game day as the team gets ready to take on the St. Louis Blues tonight. Um, first, there's reports coming out of Vancouver that the Calgary Flames, um, uh, Nils Hoaglander is the apple of the Calgary Flames' eye. As, uh, both Rick Dollywell and Sat Shaw reporting that the, the Flames have been very intrigued by what they have seen from, um, from Niels Hoglander, And any trade that could involve a Tanev heading out west would have to include a Niels Hoglander coming back here to Calgary. And th- this is something that I talked with Knut uh, Clay, Clayton Emo, about. Um, check out his YouTube channel right now, he's fantastic. Uh, but we talked about this on the now defunct Game Over. And... I am so intrigued by this player. I think that there is an incredible amount of offensive upside that hasn't quite been reached yet out in Vancouver, just because they kind of have a lot of really good dudes, especially this year. And so he, it is it is very similar to the Sharon Govich situation, where he's kind of being pushed to the back of the line, but he has front of the line offensive upside. And I think that he is... I think he's really, really talented, and another one of those guys who is just scratching the surface. And if the Flames aren't going to go the rebuild route, I, I was thinking about it, this is kind of Moneyball, but you're not like, you- you're not trying to, like, oh, this is something the league isn't seeing in these guys. It's, um th- this is a way that we can rebuild, but also tell our owner we're not. Like, it's, it- it's trying to trick things a little bit here, but... It is a really, really smart way of going about it, seeing where players maybe aren't necessarily thriving and try to get that out of them instead of just getting a bunch of draft capital. It, it leads to a lot of interesting discussions, for sure, about team management and, and team building. But overall, I would like this for the Calgary Flames. And I think if you are going to, to make these moves, it's the reason why when I talk about this, I talk about Hoaglander. I talk about whether it's Nyes, Robertson, or um, some of the other, Lilgren out in Toronto, or a couple of the kids who we saw at the World Juniors. Um, I, I think that this is probably the route that Calgary will end up going. And that leads to, like I said it's a bit of a different money ball approach to, to rebuilding because it does take some of the guesswork out of it, right? Like we we, we knew that Sharon Govich was at least capable of scoring 25 goals. You draft again in the first round, no idea, as we've seen from the draft. You know Niels Hoaglander has an offensive upside that can at least work somewhat in the National Hockey League level. Second round pick, no idea. So I am, I am generally in favor of um, taking proven commodities over draft picks. The one issue with it is you still need difference-makers. And as much as I love what Sharon Govich has done this year, um, to, to call him like difference-maker on a championship-winning team. He's been a difference-maker on the Flames this year, but that's the Flames. Um, Hoaglander what would be, I think, like a, a pretty dynamic offensive player. Is he a game-changer when it comes to uh, championship pedigree? No. No, he's not. Uh, and no knock on either of those players. There's, there, there are but so many of those guys out there in the National Hockey League. And so that is why rebuilding becomes so appealing, is your opportunities of getting the best of the best increase, when, uh, quite frankly, you're bad for a couple of years, you get a couple of high draft picks, bing, bang, boom, now you got a core, and, and and off you go. Now, it's not perfect. See, up in Edmonton and a thousand other examples, Ottawa right now is going through it as well. This is an interesting way of going about it. You still, whether you need lottery luck, or one of these kids to just absolutely blow you away with the potential that they have, um, you still need something to go your way, but... I, I do, I do overall like this approach by the Flames. I I kind of like it a little bit more than here's nine draft picks, uh, a bunch of dudes at the NHL level who aren't NHLers, and just go about it that way. If you play the kids, and your team sucks, and then you get the the draft capital out of it anyway, then fine. But I, I think it's a couple of real, I think it's a really, really intriguing way of going about things from a Flames standpoint, and one that we haven't, really seen around here before so bravo and the flames if this is the way that they go uh and there's still a lot of time between now and the trade deadline in a couple of months to see how that all plays out they are playing the st louis blues tonight the blues have points in three of their last five playing a murderer's row of teams uh they just finished a back-to-back with washington before that they have philly boston and the rangers so that they're they are right in the, the the same area as the flames where they are not doing great against good teams, although, again, points in 3 of 5 against those quality teams out East. Um, but, like, the the better teams in the league will beat them up. Uh, they will beat up on the, 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 the also-rans of the league. And now they're in a position where the teams around them they have to beat if they're going to get into a playoff spot. Right now, the Blues are, I believe it's ah, five points out of a playoff spot, and they do have three games in hand on the Nashville Predators who hold that last wild card spot in the West. And so this is another one tonight for the Flames, where if you are this team, if you are a playoff team, this is a game you win. They didn't when they played back in October. The Blues absolutely shut them down. This is not an overly exciting St. Louis Blues hockey team by any stretch of the imagination, but they are, it's its very similar to the spot that they're in with the Flames, where they aren't necessarily sold on tearing it down, but if they did, they have a few pieces that could really shake things up. Like if, if both these teams, and it sounds like the Flames are, um, and it doesn't sound like the Blues are there yet, but if both these teams just went, screw it, we're ripping this thing down to the studs, uh, Bucinevich being available is really interesting. Pareko, um, Calgary has been tied to him, apparently. Uh, Pareko would be real interesting. The Blues could really dictate how this trade deadline goes, and that would make things really, really interesting leading up to March the 8th. So, a, a lot to, to, to really digest from these two teams. But, um, th- this is an interesting matchup for the Flames tonight. And from a Calgary standpoint, back-to-back losses against excellent teams, but before that... Again, beating teams that are in th- this area. Good win against Vegas, and then a couple of wins against Arizona. That This is a game they should win tonight, if they are that this playoff contender that they want to be. Interesting lineup note tonight, as uh, Dylan Dubé remains away from the team for non-medical reasons. And again, you just hope that he is alright. Um, I-, I know that's a player that I have, I have been critical of, but... Um, and, but, like, from a real-life standpoint, you, you don't want him to be affected by this stuff or anything like that. So you hope that everything is alright with him. Um, Cole Schwint checks into the lineup tonight, as uh, he'll be the man down the middle with, uh, it was Greer and Klapka um, on that fourth line. I'm, I'm quite fascinated to see how Klapka continues to adjust here at the NHL level. Schwint hasn't really blown you away at the NHL, but fitting uh, filling in on a fourth-line role you're totally fine with that so i i think there's a lot of intriguing pieces on this flames team right now to try to check out and see how things go as the season goes along so uh there's a bit of a flames talk off the top looking to do this more obviously as the the out one of the outlets anyway that i had to talk about the calgary flames uh went away over the last little bit so that is that um some big news here in calgary on the football front let's talk about the Cfl It is the end of the era, or the end of an era, sorry, for the Calgary Stampeders, the end of the John Huffnagel era, as the Calgary Stampeders uh, announced today that Huffnagel has moved into an advisory role and Jay McNeil has been named the new team president. Um, Ryan Ballantyne had Jay McNeil on his podcast, said that he was enthusiastic. That is now all that I know about Jay McNeil. I have emptied the notebook on, uh, on Jay McNeil and my experience with him. I. I don't know a lot about him, can't speak to it, so, not going to. On the Huffnagel side of things, I I say the end of the era, and I I don't say that lightly. This man was at the helm for, I think, one of the great runs that this organization has had. And it is too bad that it doesn't have the championship success that um, others did, or that, 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 that maybe they should have, I guess. But... I don't think you can look at this run and think of it anything, think of it as anything other than just a transformative time for this organization. You look at, like, under John Huffnagel, this team was the gold standard for how a team should be built and I mean in any league where it is one guy goes down one guy goes out with injury and it's it's a next man up mentality they always had someone to replace someone that they, they always found whether it was internally externally they always found the right answer to stay competitive and not just competitive but like they were the for the regular season they were uh, a dominant franchise for basically the entire time Huffnagel has been here. And before it was like, th- this team was good. He took them to great. And it was just that their worst game of the season happened to be in the championship game a, a-, a couple of times. And that is, I, I think going to limit the um, the-, the legacy of John Huffnagel here, but this is a time that I, I think Stan Peters fans will look back on fondly. And I, I do think that here in Calgary, It's going to be a bit of maybe we should have appreciated that a little bit more than we did because this team was consistently hosting West Finals, tops in the conference, going to Grey Cups. The success wasn't always there. It was there a bit, but it wasn't always there. But still, the the way that this organization was run, where it was next man up on the offensive line, defensive line, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, all of it, they they found new guys to come in and just keep that train running. And that has stopped now, um, at least for the time being. But I, I think that this should be a legacy that is looked back upon very fondly here in Calgary as John Huffnagel was just an absolute beast when it came to putting this team together and getting the most out of these guys when he was the head coach. Um, okay, let's transition in the world of basketball. Some uh, breaking news happened just before I hit record. Let's get into it. The Milwaukee Bucks making a big move today as they have fired head coach Adrian Griffin uh, not even 50 games into his NBA coaching career. This was Griffin's first time as an NBA head coach um, and now he's not anymore as the Bucks have decided to go a different way. And it, I, I think this presents more questions than answers. If this was just about getting Doc Rivers in there, then you should have done that in the first place. Um if you weren't going to let Adrian Griffin figure out the season with an entirely new group in Milwaukee, right? Like, Dame Lillard figuring things out in Milwaukee, Giannis figuring out how to play with him, how is the defense going to work? Is the defense going to work? How is all of this going to play out? To have all of those questions surrounding this team and then not let the coach have a full season to try to figure it out, what's the point in doing it in the first place? So there's a lot of talk today about how... um, there must be something else to this. And that's the only thing I can think of because this is panicky shit for an organization to just let go of a coach who has his team second place in the East. Do they look as good as Boston right now? No. Do they look um, as dominant as maybe some people thought they might? No. But A, I think they're getting there. B, there was always going to be a stretch here where they had to figure all of that out. And you wanted to see... What could this offense be aside from just Dame and Giannis pick and roll a thousand times? Because that would be unstoppable. And defensively, you wanted to see could this team guard at all? Because Dame Lillard can't, really. And Giannis, as a perimeter defender, isn't the the lockdown guy that a lot of people imagine he could be. But him and Brook Lopez down at the block, very good rim protection down low. But it, 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 it has been up and down, but it's been significantly more up than down in Milwaukee. And so, like, Doc Rivers is 100% a better coach than Adrian Griffin. I I will not argue that for a second. But if you weren't going to let Adrian Griffin have at least a season to make sure he knows how to fit all these pieces together, then what was the point of hiring him in the first place? I just... I do not get this move for Milwaukee. And maybe Doc Rivers comes in and and he is the answer. Um, he, He has not been a perfect coach, but he is a fine, fine head coach at the National Basketball Association. So I... I I want to say that this is um that, that there must be something more to this but it, it just it looks very panicky for the Milwaukee Bucks last night. And one of the reasons they may be panicking is the Philadelphia 76ers are coming. Um Joel Embiid last night 70 points against the San Antonio Spurs, just an absolutely beast of a performance from Joel Embiid, 21 points coming from the free throw line. Um he was just he was a monster all game and it is wild now that Joel Embiid is probably having a better season this year than he was during his MVP year, uh, a season ago. Like, this is a three-year stretch of just absolute pure dominance from uh, a gigantic man who has been the, the face of this franchise for a while now. And we're seeing a run of him healthy, and we're seeing what he really can be, and what the 76ers organization can be. And that puts the pressure on the Philadelphia 76ers. Joel Embiid has played as many games in the Eastern Conference Final as I have. That is absolutely absurd. The pressure has to be on. With how well he is playing, it can't just be, well, we had a tough mo- uh, opponent in the second round and didn't get there. They had a 3-2 lead on the Celtics and a chance to put that game away and they didn't. Um, and then game seven was just atrocious for them all game. But for for Philadelphia now, that the pressure has to be on. They got rid of James Harden so that the headache is out of the room now, they got some real flippable pieces back in that move, now is the time to go out and get another guy to go along with Joel Embiid, because this is a performance that cannot be wasted again by the Philadelphia 76ers. And maybe that guy's Kyle Lowry, um, as he gets traded from the Miami Heat to the Charlotte Hornets in in a deal that also includes a 2027 first-round pick. Um, I, I don't... I I would imagine Lowry is renting, not buying, in Charlotte. I'll put it that way. I I don't think Lowry is very long for the Hornets. Now, they're going to try to trade him, because with the new uh, salary cap restrictions in the NBA, he is very limited in terms of teams that he can sign with if he does get bought out. So, they're going to try to flip him to a team, and I think Philadelphia makes a lot of sense. Um, He doesn't, like, it's not, okay, there, now you're a championship team, but... It's what we talked about in the hockey discussion yesterday. Raises that floor a little bit for the Philadelphia 76ers. Provides a, a bit of that championship pedigree that um, that, that may, they may need. And I, I think would be a real interesting piece reunited with Nick Nurse. For uh, for Charlotte, they're just tearing down. Um, it, it hasn't worked in Charlotte. Uh, around ball, we'll, we'll see what does end up happening there. But it's it, it's starting over in Charlotte for sure for the Miami Heat. Um th- this is a fantastic fit. Like Terry Rogier, the second you see that he's going to be on the Miami Heat, it's like, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a heat player. And so again, this that this certainly makes them better. I I still don't think it makes them better than Philly or Milwaukee or Boston. Now, we have seen before, they don't necessarily need to have more talent than any of those teams to beat them in a playoff series. They they can they can do that on their own just fine. But they need to um I I I don't want to say they need to get more, but if they want to really be on par with those guys, this can't be the last move. They've taken a couple of big swings lately and come up on the short end of a, a Damian Lillard trade or something along those lines. Um, this, this, I think if they're going to be a championship team, I think this needs to be, it's a big piece of it, but I don't know if it can be the only piece because it still feels like they're hanging around in the, the Cleveland, Knicks, Pacers area, just below the tier of Boston, Milwaukee and Philadelphia. But... That The East is going to be so much fun this year in the NBA. Uh, the West is, too. Like, the NBA is just at a, a fantastic time in terms of talent. And if they are bringing in a Vegas and a Seattle, then th- those teams are coming in at the absolute right time because there's so much talent in this league right now. Uh, all right, let's close the show out today with a little bit of gambling. Here is what is on today's ticket, four games for you today, three of them in the NHL. Uh, We got the Dallas Stars, minus 139 against Detroit. Dallas is a team that I have a lot of respect for. I like Detroit a lot, but these two teams are not on on similar planes. And so to be able to get Dallas at a a relatively good number, minus 139, to just win a hockey game, we'll take that one. Um, Sticking in the NHL... I still don't think Montreal is that much worse than the Ottawa Senators are. I think the Habs can pick up a win here against the Sens um, on a, I think it's nationally televised game um, uh, up here in Canada. So Habs, Sens, I'm going Montreal, plus 123 over Ottawa. And in the NHL as well, uh, the New York Rangers, minus a goal and a half against the San Jose Sharks. That one is just a, you see minus one and a half, because now Chicago's minus two and a half in a lot of these games. And that might be a bit much, but... Uh, The the Rangers, minus a goal and a half against San Jose. I will still absolutely take that one. And one from the Association, the Knicks, minus three and a half against Brooklyn. The Knickerbockers playing some really good basketball right now. Brooklyn is is as well, but they're just not on the level of the Knicks. So four games for you on today's ticket. And that's today's show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, Part two of this will be coming up in a matter of moments, looking at a gigantic day in the world of professional wrestling as the WWE is cutting the court with Monday Night Raw as they move to Netflix Uh, so we will get into that plus the raw go home show uh, heading into the Royal Rumble we will break all of that down coming up in part two of this podcast Today, um, If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment. If there's something that you really agree with or really don't agree with, uh, leave a comment, that would be greatly appreciated. And uh, if you're listening in podcast form, please subscribe to the channel and leave a review as well. Find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at primetimeKline, twitch.tv slash primetimePK, and you can email the show Couch Potato Diary at yahoo.com. Talk to you guys in a sec. I'm out.